Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today we will talk about stress reduction strategies for cancer caregivers. To help shed light on this, I'm very pleased to introduce our distinguished guest, Dr. Richard Taylor. Dr. Taylor has a PhD in psychology and is the author of the book, Alzheimer's from the Inside Out. He has lived with the diagnosis of dementia, probably of the Alzheimer's type, for nearly a decade. Today, he speaks and writes of his experiences living with the disease and promotes an approach called humanizing dementia care. Dr. Taylor, thank you for joining us once again. My pleasure. Honestly. I want to start... Absolutely. Um, I want to start off by asking you about how caring for someone with cancer is different from other types of caregiving. Well, uh, of course, it, it depends on, on the stage of the cancer and the, uh, the, the type of the cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess you can divide it into two cases. One is where a person is still working and they they're maintaining their job, and the other is where they're both retired and they're uh older people and uh they've adjusted to not having a job uh, mm-hmm. It's life changing whether you want to change your life or not and and uh, I think one of the problems with cancer is uh your goal is is to uh win the fight you're you're in a fight is the way you, you it's it's characterized we're going to win this thing we're going to beat this thing um and so all your energies are focused on winning and beating and lots of kind of war uh, analogies and then if and when you win or beat it you've achieved your goal but you still have to live your life and i think that's where the most stress comes in is People put a lot of their energy into winning the fight, and we're going to get over th- or through this thing together, and then they get through it, and they're both different as a result of uh, of the treatments, as a result of the psychological stress that's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it, it kind of hits people. It's a surprise to people that they just don't slide back into their lives once you've survived cancer. Right. How much right. Is and how different people are. Right, right. When uh, when it comes to cancer caregiving, what do you think are the roots of stress, specifically for those, you know, handling seniors who have seniors or anyone who's been struck with the disease? Well, I I I think the 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 root of stress is 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 always yourself. You you always have a choice if how how emotionally how you're going to respond to something. And um, mm-hmm. sometimes we kind of feel like we have given up the ability to have that choice when we're dealing with cancer. Cancer is cancer, and it's the big red sea, and uh, I almost have to feel this way. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And so we sort of lose control of ourselves and, and our ability to feel that we're okay, that we're in charge of ourselves and that we make choices and we can choose to feel better than we feel. Uh, it's right. it's not that you're not expected to feel bad or uncomfortable or sad. It's a matter of degree and and it's also a matter of uh, I, I would say maturity in 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 the sense that well you know life is not always what we want it to be but it's still life and so we mm-hmm. still remain engaged in it. Uh, it doesn't help us to just be angry uh, or to be sad. Let those emotions overwhelm us, but it's also uh, just natural and logical that we at times be overwhelmed by them. Mm-hmm. And we don't like to be out of control. We don't like to be overwhelmed. And so some of us put real tight controls on it and, you know, we have the stiff upper lip and we never mm-hmm. allow ourselves to have an emotional, honest moment. And then others of us just allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by it and we never have uh, a moment that isn't tainted or or defined by our sadness. So I Mm -hmm. think we bounce back and forth between those moments and we don't like to bounce as human beings. We don't like to go from feeling like there's no hope to there is hope to there's no hope to there is hope to they're dying Mm -hmm. to they're not going to die. So sometimes right. we put it out of our mind, or we t- we claim we put it out of our mind. Actually, we have them. We're just sitting on it, and sometimes it just overwhelms us. So it's a real emotional o- roller coaster, which we didn't ask to right. get on, and which we'd like to get off as quickly as possible. Yes, that's that's understandable, and I'm sure many of our audience members are going through that. You know and can relate to every single thing that you're saying. When it comes to this kind of crippling stress, can you recommend any strategies that caregivers could use to avoid it or handle this kind of stress? Well, uh, personally, I, I think it helps to to be around other people who are experiencing this. It's It's risky to do that that you get overwhelmed by their overwhelmness. But on the other hand, there's a kindred spiritness about mm-hmm. being around people who understand what you're going through because they are. That you, you just don't get from talking to other people. So again, it's trying to find healthy people as opposed to people who are overwhelmed to be around so that you do have kindred it's good to find people who have been through it and are now at a, at a different stage than you are so you can see that there is a future and, and that future is okay. People are living in that future. Mm. Um, I see. When when it comes to you know a loved one who's just been diagnosed with cancer versus... Uh, maybe a loved one who is undergoing advanced treatment, how do you think the caregiving would differ in these situations? 
I think what happens when these traumatic events happen in our lives that we don't have control over, the ways that we have learned to live our lives and to deal with unpleasantness in lives oftentimes just are not effective. You know, there are just some things that some families don't talk about that are very personal. And there are other families that talk about everything. Uh, and when something profound and personal like this happens to people, oftentimes the rules of their lives just don't fit. Um, and and I think that um, that's when families need help. Uh, it, sometimes we just can't change ourselves on a dime like we'd like to, but that's how the information comes about you loved one has cancer, one moment they don't and one moment they do. So sometimes it helps to have professional help. I think people who are been through this with other people and uh, <laughs> uh, have some life experience that you don't have access to and can share that with you. I see. Uh, what does end-of-life care mean for those who have cancer? Well, it, it it means your life is over. Um, it, it it literally means that it's the end of your life. Uh, mm-hmm. For survivors, uh, I mean, for for caregivers, it means you're going to die, and there's a difference between I'm going to die and you're going to die. I'm going to live on and have to deal with your death, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Practically speaking, your life is over in terms of your dealing with your own death. Um, so people are coming at it from two different perspectives. One is concerned about the moment that they're going to die and it will be gone, and the other is concerned about life after you're gone. And oftentimes it's it's hard for people to help each other meet those different needs in each other, I think. Mm-hmm. They they get consumed by their own need, and the other person senses it, and, and, and then they interpret that as meaning, well, you don't care about me, when actually I do. It's because I do care about you that I have my particular perspective on what's going to happen. We don't always appreciate mm-hmm. that in each other. Right, right. Do you think there is, you know, when it's when it's at the stage when it's an end of life situation, um, what is what are your thoughts on hospice care under such circumstances? Well, you know, generally speaking, when when the hospice comes in to manage a case, a patient. The first thing they do is they ask the family to step outside in the hall and they have a frank conversation with the person who's dying. Uh, and they say, you know, it's it's inevitable that you will die and that, that death is well, in the foreseeable future. And we're here to help you make sure that those moments are the way you'd like them to be. Well, it's uh, it's unfortunate, first of all, that we wait until people are near death before we ask them how they would like their life to be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, prior to that, it's how the doctors want your life to be. It's how you should be if you're going to fight this thing, if you're going to win. That's why I think people feel like they're giving up sometime uh, because they're shifting from uh, resisting living with this to uh, kind of grudgingly forced to live with this. Uh, and, and what's missed in all of this is the moment. Uh, you know, life is made up of just moments, and each of those moments has value. And when we start postponing the value of a moment for the future, then we start losing the value of the moment. And so we go through things in life saying, oh, well, we're going to get through this and over this. This is just an awful moment, when actually the moment is all we have. That's that's what our life is. It's just a bunch of moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know from my own experience with my own treatment for cancer that some of those moments are very unpleasant, and the way we deal with them by, is by saying, well, we'll get over this. You only have two more chemotherapies. You only have one more treatment of of x-rays and I I think that's a wrong way of looking at it you lose any value you can get out of this moment together any moment we can share together under these stressful moments is just a part of our life and we should not be thankful that we have those moments but we should be appreciative that we have each other to spend those right. moments with. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes that gets missed. Right. And we we both all drift into our own little moments hoping we're going to come mm-hmm. out of this on top of it. Mm-hmm. We just come out of it. We're not necessarily on top of it. And we build up resentments and we feel sad and sorry and we wish we would have done things differently while we were in those other moments and we can't get them back. Right. So I I think we we, we have to be more aware. We have to talk and live more in each moment than we do in, well, this is, you know, the third third week of of a 12-week cancer regime. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is one day in our lives, and this day in our lives, we're going to have to deal with the fact that you're living with cancer. Right. And uh, they the, the sound like just words, but they're actually, I think, strategies about how you're trying to frame your thinking. Because if you frame your thinking a little more positively, it... it we don't have as many or as intense negative feelings. Right. And we don't realize that these negative feelings are coming from these thoughts that we're having. We think they're coming from things outside of us when actually they're coming from within us. Right. I understand. When, when you know, when a person has completed cancer treatment, do you think caregiving, the caregiving process has really ended at that point? Um, Well, we never stop taking care of each other. 
mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. We put this label on it. You know, you weren't a caregiver before, but now you are. When actually, we're always taking care of each other, and if we love each other, we are invested in each other. Um, so no, I I don't think it, it for people who care about each other, who are emotionally invested in each other, they never stop offering care to people. I don't right. think we understand though that you can't give care to people. You can give people a service, you can give people a product, but care is is has an emotional uh, uh, element to it. Um. Mm-hmm. And I want I want to give you my care. What I'm actually giving you is my love for you and my uh, emotional commitment to you. And I'm doing it through things that that we call caregiving. But mm-hmm. because I realize that I can't force you to take it, you may not be in a mood to take it right now. You uh, you may be in too much pain. You may be too frightened by the future. Uh, there's a million different things that are going to make you reject the care that I'm giving you. None of them are are related to the fact that I still don't care about you. But that's how people interpret it, unfortunately. Hmm. Do you think communication between... Um, cancer caregivers and doctors can be made more effective and how do you think that that's possible? Oh, heaven's sakes, yes. I don't think you'll talk to anybody who's had cancer who hasn't had some issues of communication with one doctor or another. Mm Yes, I think I think I think they could be improved. I think we could be we could be more open with them and they could be more open with us. Uh because ultimately we're going to have to be that way with each other anyway. And so mm-hmm. just uh trying to get through this without being honest with each other uh and hoping that you don't get worse. Or I don't have to tell you what I'm frightened of. Um, I think that's a short-term fix to a long-term problem. And over time, uh, that, that, uh, uh, what do you call it, Uh, erodes trust between us, the fact that I'm not honest with you. But with that honesty, it just doesn't come telling me bad things. It comes with trusting each other. Uh, I don't know if doctors care about trusting their patients. They care that people trust them, but I'm not sure that they trust people and and they don't want to let themselves get so personally involved with them that that's an issue because everybody's got those issues that they deal with. It takes a special human being to be a, a cancer doctor, I think, an oncologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not everybody is cut out to be it emotionally. They may be intellectually, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot sometimes they're not emotionally. 
Um, and so th- that's an overlay, too, in that you're dealing with another human being who's been there and done that with dozens of other people when you're just doing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard for people to appreciate the, the, the predicament that puts it, them in. So, yes, I think there's a lot of room for better communication, more honest and straightforward with each other. Trust. Mm -hmm. Are there there any organizations that offer support services for cancer caregivers that you would recommend? Well, I I think, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of private and public organizations that offer uh, cancer caregiver support groups. Uh, I don't know that one is better than another, but Mm -hmm. uh, I tell people that uh, if you're not getting what you want out of your group and you've told your group what you wanted and that's just not what other people are there for, then get in another group. Don't give up Mm -hmm. on groups. Just say, well, you know, this group has a history, and the history is that they don't deal with this this way or that way, and I'm not really here to change them. And if I've been clear about what it is I wanted, and they can't seem to give it to me, then for heaven's sakes, don't get sour on groups, or even on this group. Just say, well, this just isn't the these folks aren't where I am right now. I need to go find myself another group. And that's hard for mm-hmm. people to admit that they can't fit into this group. So they either stop going to groups altogether or they just sort of go but don't get out of it what they know they want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's great advice, Dr. Taylor. And thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest once again, and we hope you will be our guest many times over on our show. Um, I do want to share your website with our listeners. Um, people can learn more about Dr. Richard Taylor at www.richardtaylorphd.com. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in also today. Join us next time on Tuesday, October 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern for our Caregiver and Physician Conversations radio show. This will be hosted by our caregiving expert, Marjorie Papps, who will be speaking to Dr. Mark Adronin about perspectives on aging, caregiving, and quality of life for a positive future. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit www.ecarediary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is ecare underscore diary. Thank you, Dr. Taylor, and thank you, everyone, today for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.